Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Universe Within podcast. On this episode, I sat down with a really fascinating woman. <clears throat> uh, her name is Yukia, and I met her a few weeks ago, interestingly, um, at a little get-together with a friend of mine, Paulette, who I also interviewed on this podcast. And we had a really fascinating conversation. Um, I spoke to her a little bit uh, at this gathering, and uh, even though we only spoke for a little while, uh, I, I sent she had a really fascinating story and, and really a lot to share. And I didn't know exactly what to expect from this episode, where we would go, what kind of topics we would get into, um, but I was really happy with it. I mean... Um, kind of looking back on it, I think it was really, in a way, a masterclass of a lot of um, work and spirituality, of ancient culture, of indigenous cultures, uh, of plant medicine work, of connecting to our higher selves, <clears throat> to a lot of the uh, problems and issues that can arise. And uh, it was really a, a lovely conversation, and I, I, I very much enjoyed it, and uh, I, I learned quite a bit myself. So I think and hope you all will really enjoy this episode. Um, as always, if you're able to support this podcast, that's a really big help. Um, if you are able to sign up via Patreon, uh, that's a really uh, beautiful way of supporting uh, this podcast, supporting me, helping to continue to bring on these really fascinating guests. Uh, you can sign up for as little as a dollar a month. There's different tiers you can sign up for. Those tiers give you different things back, things like early access to shows, bonus material, Q&As. To all of the people who have done that, to all of the patrons, as always, thank you very much. Uh, it's very deeply appreciated. Thank you for all your support. And if you are able to do that, thank you in advance. Um, if you're not able to help that way, um, some of the little things make a really big difference. So if you're watching this, the video version on YouTube or, or Rumble Odyssey, um, subscribing to the show on YouTube, turning on the notification bell, liking the video, leaving any um, questions or comments in the comment section, all, all of those things really help with the algorithms <clears throat> to really get the show out to a bigger audience. And then if you're uh, listening to this on the audio version, uh, the, the biggest platforms being Apple Podcasts and Spotify, uh, following or subscribing to the show, leaving a starred rating and a short review, all of those things, again, are super beneficial. So uh, I think that's it. Without further ado, here is my conversation with Yukio. is um I have a really big one from my university but it's huge and I didn't feel like bringing it uh but that guy up there is the guy who started it he was the third president his name was uh, Thomas Jefferson oh yeah yeah and um he actually founded the university I went to and I think when I went there 
I appreciated it, but not a lot. And I think what did you do? the older I get, the At more university. I appreciate. Uh, um, I studied, I ended up studying political science and economics, but I also studied archaeology and anthropology, but it wasn't my, my major. Um, but yeah, he was a pretty incredible human being. Mm, he was. From all of them, Mm -hmm. There were only a few incredible ones. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think in the U.S. people have really forgotten, like, how how revolutionary, like, their line of thinking was. Mm. It was quite... It was. It was. I studied international relations. My majors mm. were international relations and sociology. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, and I wanted to go into the diplomatic... I was going to go to the diplomatic, uh, to, do a, to have a diplomatic career. Yeah. But then when I finished my master's, I couldn't, I didn't speak Afrikaans and I was in, in South Africa. Now you had, in order to get into the embassy, you had to speak Afrikaans. Interesting. Yeah. It was one of those discriminative situations still. So it was English and Afrikaans and I had English and French. And, and and so I and I had a block with Afrikaans because every time I tried it I would pronounce it in like a French and uh, just couldn't get through. I just had a block with the language because the language represented all this discrimination also so there was a program that was running you know a belief program uh, which I realized later on why I couldn't do it <laughs> because it's quite a simple language you know um, but I just would not learn, would not learn, and I, I'm, I'm good with languages, but that one, no. Mm. And so it was because of all that, uh, that the, and me being in the apartheid movement against the system, you know, and being quite an activist, you know, it just didn't fall well, you know. So the resistance came. And so I changed course, then I went into... With my sociology, I did, then I did, oh, okay, I'll do another master's. So I did a master's in sociology, and then I went, uh, yeah, I ended up in human capital and human resources change and transformation. Hmm. Yeah. Well, this is all great. I say we just, we, we get into it. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and so, yeah, I, I met you, I guess, a few weeks ago at a kind of a, party get together of a mutual friend of ours, Paula, mm. who was also on this podcast. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, you, you had a really interesting story. And, and so I thought it would be nice to, to have you on and share. So um, maybe just picking up from, from right there. So you, you were from South Africa originally? Yeah. And no, I'm from originally from Mozambique. I was okay. born in Mozambique, which was a uh, Portuguese colony. So Portuguese is still a language. Today, that it's spoken by everyone because there's many, 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 many local languages, so it would be very difficult to choose one. Um, so I grew up in Mozambique until the age of 14. Mm -hmm. And then there was a coup d'etat, you know, the Portuguese government walked out, and the local government, the African government, walked in. And, uh, and so um, myself and my sister went to South Africa to this uh, boarding school, um, which was like a radical change for us, you know, because it was quite a free system, you know, in terms of 
free to think, free to do, free to wear, whatever we wanted. And, um, in Mozambique? Or in Mozambique. In, uh-huh. And um, free to mix also with all languages and all diversity. Acceptance of, you know, you know the the diversity that existed in the country, and then, uh, yeah, it then we we went because my parents had to remain another two years behind, um, in order to close off their contracts and um, and also their pending transfers to South Africa. You know, so yes, we we went to South Africa then. And what was the impetus to move? Just the, the uncertainty of yes, it was. It became very difficult. They actually asked all the Europeans to leave. Mm-hmm. You know, um, unless you had contracts and contacts with companies where you had indispensable positions, you wouldn't be able to stay in the country. You were kicked out, basically, uh, and because my parents had such contracts, you know, with with uh, with their own business with the businesses that they they're working for they had to complete a two-year cycle and then go but if if their position was not essential uh, or regarded as they would have been kicked out of the country so we kicked out and uh, you know we everything was taken over by the government so my grandfather's farm the all the goods that you had were all nationalized. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was. A, I'm I'm not so familiar with Mozambique, but I'm. It was a Portuguese colony, but were were there were there large populations from other part of the world too? Like in South Africa, there's a lot of South Asians. Like there were uh, there were um, uh, lots of uh, Hindu and a mm-hmm. uh, lot of Muslims and. Uh, and lots of Portuguese, but the, there wasn't a lot of foreigners at the time. Um, a few Italians, a few Spanish, but that was it. It's mainly Portugal, Portuguese. Yeah. And at that time of transition, um, some of the other groups were also kind of condemned, like the Hindus? Yeah. Or... Uh, they were invited to leave, yeah. Mm-hmm. But you see the Asian population, the Indian population had... A grasp in the economy of about maybe seventy percent, fifty to seventy percent. So it wasn't as easy as um, you know to to just kick them out because they controlled a lot of the economy mm-hmm. and also the trade. You know, so yes, they were invited out, and most of them, certainly most children, you know. The same age as ours, they all left to go to Portugal. So they went to Portugal, they went to India, but mainly they went to Portugal because uh, they were Portuguese, you know, they had been born in the country. So, um, or they went to Goa, you know, which was Portuguese speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, and all the others went to South Africa because it was the neighboring country. So we had, we were divided. Alpha went to Portugal, Alpha went to South Africa. Yeah. And South Africa was, was welcoming at that yes, time? Yes, very welcoming. Very welcoming. Mm. It welcomed immigrants from all of all the African countries. You know, we were very well received. You know, also um, 
programs of uh, adjustment and uh, adaptation at the time, you know, uh, were immediately put into place. Also, um, orientation programs to adjust, to uh, adapt to what South Africa was like, which was very different than what Mozambique was like, you know. Um, so we were given space and time to learn the language, to catch up, you know, we were not really pressurized. The school that we went to was a English convent, so it was like um, Catholic, quite strict, but... Um, but they had a very good uh, team of, of, of teachers, uh, mostly English, and they were really, um, you know, upcoming. They were like, they had a very open mind, and so, although there were a lot of restrictions for us in terms of you wear the uniform, you wear the hat in a certain way, you, you, are, you have to come to, you have to attend mass, uh, you have to go to confession and all those things, which I waived it, because you could. You could, you could, re you re could rebel against the Semitic if you wanted, if you had a good argument and a good uh, proposition for the headmaster. And so mine was the hat and the, the religious status, studies, you know, I didn't have to wear the hat and I didn't have to attend any Bible classes or religious studies. In fact, they, they preferred me not to attend because I asked a lot of questions mm. and that was intimidating. That was like <clears throat> not accepted. First, that you ask questions. And second, I planted seeds in other people and in the, the minds of the students and they didn't want that. They would prefer me to be out. Mm -hmm. But I was allowed to do it. So even with Dean... Uh, I learned very young that even within a, a very limited uh, environment where there is lots of rules, lots of regulations, uh, if you have, uh, if you speak up and you stand in your power and you, you argue that, you know, which is for the benefit of all, not just for your benefit, you know, it is possible to change because the headmaster didn't, it just took two meetings for him to accept it, you know. And all my episodes in schools and uh, with Bible studies, you know, uh, it, I never attended Bible studies, never, in any of the schools. And they had a strict regulation that you had to you know, so it's, it depends how you stand and what is your, how you put it across and uh, at what level of frequency you're coming from, not coming from, uh, it is not for me, but it is for the benefit of all that I am not attending. You know, it's for my benefit, but for the benefit of the rest, seeing that everyone is in the program and I am not in that particular program, not that the program is wrong. I choose not to be. Mm -hmm. And so that was a, a very early, very early lesson that I learned, you know, growing up. 
that you need to stand on your own. You need to speak up. And uh, you also need to speak up for others, you know, uh, which I did quite a lot of that. Um, and then realized that they had to speak for themselves, that I wasn't here to rescue anyone, <laughs> you know. Um, but it was interesting, you know, the change, the freedom to be, the freedom to speak, the freedom to, to choose, suddenly uh, that we experienced growing up uh, in, a, in a family that was all receiving, that was all loving and supporting of your choices, your fantasy trips, your imagination, and then go into a strict environment where there's all these rules, you know, um, you had to make a choice because there's no way that I could go somewhere else, you know. So you had to make a choice and um, and you can make a choice and make changes because then there were other immigrants that came to the college. Some also didn't wear the hat, <laughs> you know. Um, others didn't attend the religious classes or mass, you know, or some sports that was like there was a list that you had you, you had compulsory to attend, even though you were not sporty, because it was part of the curriculum, part of the program. Now, we were sporty, so we didn't have that particular problem. But if you were an, um, a nerd, you know, only you know, intellect with just intellectual ability and no sports skill set you would have to stand for yourself on that one you know do you think being a <clears throat> i often find a, there, there's something about being an outsider that it, it just by de facto forces people to to to, have, to to look at a different worldview to see things from another point of view and and it seems like there's a real power in that which there is is something that that I think, you know, we all come from a certain cosmovision, a certain mm. society, a certain worldview, and I think there's a lot of things we just accept because we never question them because we're never put in a situation where we need to question them. Yes, and it, it seems like often with a lot of people who are kind of loosely involved in this work, I don't even know how mm. to define it, but it seems like there often is this this kind of common archetype of somehow being an outsider mm. in some degree, of, of being forced to look at something in a different way. Yeah. There are advantages and disadvantages, which I found. In the beginning, I thought there were just disadvantages. Um, and then I soon started finding out that I was heard. I was able to be heard. And the reason that... Others were not, it's because they were not making any steps to be heard because they were in fear of the program that they've inherited from the country, from their, their parents. And because we were outsiders, we had a certain flexibility, let's call it this way. There was a leeway because we came from a coup d'etat, we came from a great transition you know, the the family had to separate. So there were a lot of factors that encouraged, uh, that inspired the the system to give us leeway, you know. 
but you wouldn't have found out if you had not tried it because in the beginning the rules were laid out and you either followed or you you spoke up um and and I think in life that was one of the biggest lessons that I learned right then when I was so young that anything was possible even within a very limited system you you there is if you really stand and you speak and you 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 inspire you speak with an inspired voice because it had to be that way with an inspired voice for the benefit of all and for the other students that were coming from different independent countries you know because this this movement, uh, the, this coup d'etat didn't just happen in Mozambique. It happened in many of the African countries. So we had a lot of students coming from different countries, you know, that would have had the same challenges. So, um, so there was there was an an opening and also a role to play in terms of leading that opening, you know, opening that channel for others to have a voice without the questions why, you know. Because I remember my first meetings were met with a lot of whys from the, from the <laughs> headmaster. And, um, and then the second one was much easier, <laughs> you know. Um, so they didn't have to go through the whys anymore because somebody else had, had done that. And I think that was important. And... Uh, it also inspired me to to then later on join the apartheid system, the the apartheid movement, you know, at university level, you know, which, uh, you know, it was in, it was needed at the time that a whole lot of us had to come together and do something, you know, and and I knew that doing something was positive because I had done it, <laughs> you know, at a small scale, you know, at a very tiny scale. And and so it was very easy for me to step into that without any fear of of being labelled in the university as one of those because you were labelled. The label was there. That is one of the activists, you know, so we didn't have the sticker, but we had an informal sticker. Everybody knew who we were. Um, but uh, it didn't matter because uh, there was no ways that the system could penalize you academically if you were delivering what you needed to deliver. You know, there was no ways. There wasn't space in that. And, and if there was, then there was a voice again. You know, and there was a, a a step system because there were a few cases, not with, particularly with me, but with some of my uh, my brothers in arms. Let's call it this way, and they took it to the appeal, to an appeal situation, and they were heard, and it was considered also one of the fear universities. You know, the one that I attended in South Africa, where independent thought was encouraged. So I chose that one because I knew that this was going to take place. So I needed to be in a place that could welcome um, 
welcome that. Yeah. What was that like growing up during that time? Because that it's a very unique period, I think, in, in modern human history. And, and I think a lot of people are familiar with it, but they don't really have, a, I think, a very nuanced view of, of what was happening. Mm. Um, but I think everyone is familiar with that word apartheid or to some degree what was happening. But, but like everywhere, obviously, being in a place you there's so much history, there, there's so much nuance, there, there, there's so many different points of view and different mm. things going on. Um, what was that like coming in from another country, being an outsider? Mm. And maybe just kind of to describe that situation from from, from your eyes, what was that yeah, like? Yeah, that was in? like, it was, it was limiting, you know. That was the first, the first impact was the, 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 imp- the, the perception of the program. The program did not, was not so in your face in the country that I was born, you know, because we have, we had a lot of freedom options. Um, And within the family unit also, there were freedom options. But then you get into a country that is full of rules and full of separate so the, the the birth of separation for me was one of the most painful challenges to see from an outsider and then came the injustice and the fairness of it so almost an anger you know came to the surface you know that was already there because I you know, it was already there as an example when I rescued the underdog that was being penalized unfairly by the teacher. You know, but this anger was a collective wound, almost a collective consciousness wound, of um, where injustice through programming, you know, is set in a society and everybody becomes a puppet of the system. And. Um, and the manipulation and the control kicks in, and then you have no voice, um, or, or the perception of not having a voice. Um, and then the birth of separation was like in your face. That coming from a, a free system, which I called a free system, was uh, a big challenge. There was pain in my heart, you know. There was this... I've, I used to feel a pulse in my heart, like saying, something has to be done, you know. And that's when the rebel, <laughs> you know, or, or the, the options and the potentials, uh, it was through the pain, through feeling the pain, through allowing myself to sit with the anger, you know, to cry a lot, you know, I remember I was so young, but I used to cry for the people, you know. Like we go into a coffee shop and you you can't take your friend from the convent that is from Nigeria or somewhere else. They have to go somewhere else. They can't use the same toilets. They, it was very painful. It was like there was a built-up inside that this is not who we are. This is not what we came here to do. This is not 
how the human how we chose to come to this planet. That was very evident that all these things started coming up, you know. That's this we are whole, you know, we are united, you know, we should be in partnership, in community and not not separate and this is unfair and unjust. And I'm going to do something about I'm going to be part of this this uh, this plight for freedom of expression for freedom of uh, of rights of human rights yeah so that's I had that uh, experience on the one side on the other side it was very interesting and only afterwards it came through when I left the convent, went to university, was that there was a certain amount of discipline that I felt was positive through that system. You know, uh, there was also an awareness of boundaries that I learned that there is self-honoring, you know, but there is first an awareness of boundaries, you know, what is my space, what is your space, what is my fairness, what is your fairness, how can we coexist together within acceptable uh, human and loving boundaries. And um, that was beneficial to me because where I came from, that was absent in many ways. You know, so if we had remained in that system and the system had not changed, then I think that that awareness, uh, that that the birth of value, of self-value and self-honoring, wouldn't have been uh, birthed so so soon. You know, because you had to learn how to operate within boundaries, what they were, what were the limitations, and and things could get quite out of control, you know, in an environment where no one really knows exactly what the rules are and how, what guidance we have, you know. And so there was temptation to do what you want, you know, and step into um, what I called, you know, having learned then about the the boundaries and then self-honoring and value later on, um, that I could have, I could have gone, you know, into places that uh, would have taken me astray, you know, from the direction that I was destined to take, because it was evident from very young that there was this leadership quality and that I was yet to do something more than just taking care of me and making sure that I'm successful, (laughs) you know, but that I'm here for a bigger cause. Uh, and so that could have distracted me from 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 that path. Yeah. So and the discipline 
certain rules and this of discipline was 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 also important that I appreciated those that you wake up at five o'clock in the morning, you know I used to wake up seven o'clock, rush half an hour into 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 school, you know, in Mozambique and come back for lunch, you know, and go to sports and walk around the streets and, you know, we were really free to do what we wanted to do. Yeah. It reminds me in in a lot of Chinese philosophy of this idea of wu wei, it's kind of this idea of action and non-action and and even in a political sense, there, there's this idea of progressivism versus conservatism. Mm. And it seems like one of the things we do as humans is we tend to gravitate more towards one direction, but then it's very difficult for us to come back into some sort of balance, to, to, to exactly. see the, the wisdom of the other side yes. um, and to find that, that, that It's balance. very true, and that's exactly... In retrospection, I was already at university... You know, now in a movement, you know, um, I was also involved as the secretary of the Portuguese sort of a club, you know, in the university. And um, when it was so beneficial that I had that discipline to fit everything in, you know, to be able to manage all these processes without derailing. Because I, you had, and you brought up something important that I found at that time, and it, if it wasn't for that, it would have been very difficult to make it, is the balance, to make sure that I had this balance. You know, initially I thought it was just that I was obsessed with control, you know. <laughs> you know, that I had to control the situation here, control the situation there. But then, uh, you know, I started really allowing myself to to experience um psychedel- a little bit of psychedelics through through uh, acid you know so uh, so that because that was one way of me connecting to my home base you know and very quickly a shortcut you know and and that broke my control mechanism you know that i i can handle or everything, but I have to have a, a hand in the pie of everything, and it has to be done this way. <laughs> you know? And the choice to go into to start taking drugs, you know, like you know, for a while in the last two years of the of university, what allowed me that space to see it from the outside that I was becoming obsessively controlling, <laughs> you know, you know, with myself and not allowing myself to feel the experience, but to go like a robot, like, you know, almost like handle things automatically, very clinically, almost like, like a, a star being, you know, someone that is not of this planet, is borrowed to this planet and is just in witnessing and observer mode, but really not belong, is not feeling the emotional body, is not feeling anything, is just going through the different um, transmutations and, and the ability to, to handle a lot of things at the same time, um, 
that it's not a skill that everyone has, but if you do have that skill, then it even gives you more this feeling that you are able to handle it, you know. And the option to take to go into the to 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 go into to take substances, you know, that that took me out of that control and was and gave me the observer, uh, you know, mode of that control that I could see what I was doing and how I was doing it, and it broke down that control system, and um, and allowed me to be to f to be in the feeling body, you know, afterwards. So there was, uh, it was a big uh, a big journey. Um, for me, uh, to handle everything at the same time, plus have my escapades into freedom, into the feeling body, into my own connection with the stars and other planets, and uh, but to to feel it with a heart, yeah, to feel it with a heart, and to understand the human condition in a different way, yeah, and also to understand that there were there was a, a, a point of completion of that, that substance abuse for me. And it was a gift, actually, that point of completion. Because then, you know, I fell pregnant. <laughs> so that was my point of completion. The minute I learned that, that, um, that I was pregnant, I wanted to welcome this, this incredible being and... I gave up all the substances, and it was a gift. It was an absolute gift, coming out so of that experience. But it was also the, there was also the realization that 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 was an opening that I needed to take. That I had that I had understood things that are at a different frequency level that I had not done it before. If it wasn't for the substances, you know, the invitation to go and to just relax because I wasn't able to relax. I had to be always in it. So I had to bring balance to. So when the balance kicked in and the presence set in, there was the silence inside. And there was also the understanding that balance and equilibrium as as a centeredness inside you um, is like a discipline, you know, but it's a healthy discipline. Yeah, there was this. And I was exploring the Tao and the, the you know, the reading all the, the spiritual books, the Tibetan knowledge and so during that period, it was a period of great um, tapping into all the aspects of myself and the versions of myself that were that were uh, that were lived uh, either in body, which I understood later on, or not in body, but in the collective consciousness of the planet, where those practices, healing methodologies, and uh, uh, exercises 
you know, you know, like martial arts and feng, you know, you know, all those uh, was like a bucket list of things that the soul had experienced, either in body or outside body, or in planet or off planet. But it was through the books that the wisdom came. So that was like an a door that opened, you know, that was waiting. And I had a library in my house that was full of books, you know. And sometimes I would even sleep there, you know. I had like a little sofa, you know, all set up. So if I just wanted to stay there, I would stay. And I would just read all the books. I was just like a sponge, you know. So then what was the next phase of your life? So you're you're either in or finished with the university, you're you're pregnant, you're Yeah, then I you, you have all of this interest in, in knowledge and religion. Yes, and it was like a, a phase that was okay, you know, I I have so much to share and so much to create. Um but I'm in this situation, <laughs> you know, and um, I had a lot of assistance from my parents who were extremely welcoming of my choices because you always have a choice to give up the child. And it was offered to me and I declined it. Um, I had a great group of friends that were like supportive all the way and and then uh, five years later, I met this beautiful man. You know, I got married, you know, and um, that was my first husband. And, uh, yeah, I adopted the child, you know, and and then I, you know, at that stage I was already in corporate life because I'd already taken the step. I had someone to look after my child. I had my family. I had my friends. I had nurseries. I had, you know, there were. Um, I got my into my career of human resources, you know, and uh, uh, recruitment first, then human resources, then organizational and change management, and moved very fast, you know. Um, when I was twenty seven, I was already in management positions and. Uh, you know, and, and bringing in quite quite good money, you know, to fend for myself even before getting getting married. So I had the possible, I knew I was on track. I'm, I'm on track. This is a phase, you know, to open up to something greater. That will come down the line, but I need to go through this. You know, I need to experience uh, family. I need to experience bringing up children. I need to experience being with a partner. I need to experience, you know, um, you know, having a, being in a corporate uh, life, you know, attending conferences, traveling a lot. I started traveling a lot, you know, and always leaving the children. And uh, <clears throat> by the time I got divorced, because I only lasted five years, you know, with all the traveling and all the... And, you know, it's, it's just... I completed the cycle with this particular person and I didn't feel that there was anything else, you know, also. 
and when things started getting a bit hectic, you know, in terms of we're not in this understanding each other, then I walked out with the children, with both children. I had had the second child by, by that time. I walked out. Because I could also, because I earned enough, I had support from my family and my friends, and uh, I worked for a company that was just encouraging and inspiring, you know. I worked 27 years for this multinational, same company, that uh, I, you know, I made my career out of it, you know, and became a, di um, um, a director of human resources, and and uh, sat on the boards and, you know, all that. But that saw the talents, recognized the skills, and that I felt I could express myself freely. And that was my preparation and foundation for later on. So I did that for 27 years. Long time. Yeah. So then divorce, got, got, uh, but, but, you know, everything was smoothly. You know, it wasn't like a difficult divorce or no. So we just separated, divorced, things didn't work out, they were hectic. But uh, I felt that that um, one door closed, another door opened of a new life, you know, uh, where I was stepping really into a corporate world where I needed to be more free. So that was good. So during about 10 years, yeah, 10 years, I was like alone, free, you know, bringing up the children, uh, but working for a corporate company that allowed me to go on holidays with the children, paid for the holidays, paid for the medical aid, paid for everything, you know. I had the benefits to support my growth. And uh, that time was lonely sometimes, but was a blessing because it was a time of incubating a whole lot of new stuff that was coming in. You know, because at that time I started already channeling, you know, information, uh, automatic writing first, uh, you know, connecting with with my my team, you know, of of uh, sun elders and uh, receiving guidelines. Uh, what's the next steps would be, you know. Yeah. So then I married again, you know, and. I was married for 11 years. This one was more than a five. You know, it was like 11 years. Um, during my corporate life, I was with someone that allowed me the freedom to travel all over the world, to go and explore my hobbies, to go and learn my, the indigenous cultures, um, who never stopped me, even if it meant that I would be home just four months a year, you know. Um, Beautiful being, um, really gentle, but not on the same spiritual path, not with the same curiosity, not with the same connection, and not wanting to be there, to go there. Not at all. So we grew apart. There was just no space. There was no space to for active inspirational conversation that we were at crossed 
you know, we had to, our wires crossed, you know, in our conversation. There, so there was a loneliness that's, that sank in that was bigger than being alone on trips, you know, all over the world, you know. So when I would return, I would be like extreme, like the loneliness was like unbearable. So I knew the next step was to leave. Even though there was this nurturing situation, there was an encouragement on the one hand, but on the other one, an unwillingness to, to not an unwillingness, a choosing. It was a personal choice not to engage in spiritual life, um, not to, not even curiosity, and just be very concerned about the material well-being, you know. Um, and that was not enough. So I left everything. I left my house, my furniture, my crystals, <laughs> and with my backpack. <laughs> um, my children were already, you know, at university and... My son was already in the U.S., in the States, you know. My, son, my daughter was already in England, trying, you know, after university. It, it was like there was no reason for me to be in a situation that I didn't want to. And that gave me the choice also to break, to complete my, my corporate life. Because that was also in the pipeline for five years that I, I had to leave. You know, because my body was getting sick. The signs were there, and I kept on postponing it because the money was good. It allowed me to travel and to do what I wanted. But it became very bad. The challenges with the physical body became unbearable. And um, so um, I had to make a choice. And so the choice was sell the companies. At that time, I had already left the corporate, open companies, sold companies, sell the companies and go on a walkabout and leave everything behind. And that's what happened. And that was really, that was really the, the big awakening. I would say 2008, 2009, so about 46 years old, more or less, but when I wrote my book, I was 44. So I started writing and putting it together, you know, but I only really launched it. And I knew that I had to do that because that was a history that was going to be wiped out. It was not going to be in remembrance. Only snippets will be in remembrance. The highlights, you know, or the learning points, so that I could share with others, but not anything else. It was wiping a hard disk out. And when that, once that was launched, until 2011, 2011, 2012, then everything started expanding, you know, and even my walkabouts, which I had already done before, were different of different nature because there was this freedom of expression. There was this realization of the mission, you know, that I'm not here to 
you know, to make a lot of money <laughs> and to spend a lot of money. I'm here to to share my wisdom, you know, because now I'm I am received I received a lot of gifts as a result of that too. The give of voice. You know, I had no voice to sing. You know, and I remember when I was a child I wanted to be in the choir, but I was terrible. So I was kicked out. <laughs> but the the voice I became a voice alchemist, um and the languages of light from different planets, nature spirits, Pachamama, came. And uh, it all came very quickly in a period of two years. I was guided by this invisible guide, you know, that I thought he was a physical presence, but he wasn't. Um, from a Tibetan lineage, you know, uh, and yet he was physically in a monastery. <laughs> But then I, I realized that was a story that I'd constructed because he actually never told me that he had, but I needed to locate him somewhere, <laughs> you know. For two months I located him in KwaZulu-Natal in a monastery, uh, which he had mentioned, having implanted that seed so that it would make me more comfortable that I was being guided by some physical presence, which was not. So I had these all these baths, all these rituals four, four times a week with rose. So that the symbol of the rose was a, I was explaining this to someone else this week, was a, was very significant because um, it was rose water that I had to do the rituals yet and I had to do the, put it in the baths that I had to do the ritual with I had to pull rose, rose essence and I had to do the ritual of the rose. So, and I, the reason I was explaining it recently is because they're doing diets of the rose. You know, a lot, quite a lot here. In, uh, and someone was sharing with me this diet of the rose and the rose petals in the bath. And, and I said, that's exactly what I did not knowing that I was doing a diet of rose, that I was drinking rose water, you know, because I was following the guidance of the, of this, <clears throat> of this higher learning guide that was helping me to purify my vessel and prepare for the work that I had to deliver to the planet later on. And uh, this went on for two years, the bath the candles, the voice, breathing underwater, sounding underwater, but with the rose water, you know, you know, outside. And then all, everything came during those years. The languages, the sound, the teachings, the, the methodologies, the healing rituals, everything came through. And then when it was complete, I remember that day that we finished with the rituals and uh, Zeus, that was his name, which is also a mythological figure, you know, he said, daughter, my daughter, he told me like this, my daughter, you are now ready to walk the earth, you know, because it was all very mythological in the way it, it was spoken, to walk the earth. I will send you a graduation gift. 
you know, not that you need anything because you need to understand you don't need anything, you know, because you're just a speaking, you know, and you're not even a person. And uh, in the post, a month later, I got a ring, which I still have today, uh, with seven leaves, you know. So it's a silver ring with seven leaves and a diamond in each of the leaves. And he said, wear the ring. Uh, the first activate the ring, one sundown, one night, one night. Activate it first. Place the ring in your finger. When you lose it, you'd, if you should you lose it, okay, then you know it's no longer needed for you. Or should you not lose it, he said, and should you choose to keep it, one day you will give it away. I still have the ring. But there is one thing about the ring, because this is seven initiations, that's why it's seven leaves, you know, because I went through the seven initiations. The diamond is missing on the seventh initiation. So the seven initiation is when you are completely transmuting the body and you are engaging with the world uh, you're visiting. You're visiting the the planet, you know, you're assisting, but uh, you are mostly an etheric being, you know, and uh, you're working and you are able to remain in the in this plan, in 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 body, uh, for short periods of time, and so you're working, uh, assisting others. You're like a guide, assisting others to to push through expansion and amplification in this planet. So I'm not yet there. That's why the diamond is missing. <laughs> so kind of kind of going back, so. <clears throat> you said around forty-four or so, you, you you kind of gave up your your household life and went on this, as you said, walkabout. Before that happened, in in all of these years where you're raising children, you have a husband, a, a corporate job, um, There must have been something that you felt, because you said also you knew that something was coming after yes. that, that, that this was a phase of your life that that you knew needed to be complete, mm. which I think is also very beautiful, yeah. because it seems like also so much of human suffering is resistance to what is, and, and not accepting, yeah. and not maybe fulfilling certain mm. obligations. And so, so it seemed like you... You had the sense you knew, but I, I would also imagine, because you also said you, there was already things in your life like channeling or guides. So what was that, how did that begin to happen? I mean, you, you're a child, you moved to South Africa. Like, like at what point do you start to mm. sense that something else is going on that's 
maybe not, you know, even as you said for your, your second husband, it's mm-hmm. not maybe in the vocabulary or, yeah. or in the worldview of other people that you realize something else is, is going on. From a very early age, when I was six, that's when I realized already that I was, uh, with a particular episode that happened, you know, where a, a guide appeared in my, the threshold of my door in my room, and uh, there was all this electricity and magnetic magnetic energy going on, and uh, you know I was sort of paralyzed, but but uh, went to 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 the guide who had a key, a golden key. He had a golden key which looked like a ring, and he came to deliver this because I was ready to to receive it. And I remember I was completely in. In, I wouldn't say panic, but I was in, you know, I was in fear, uh, walking towards this energy, and uh, and then I fell on the floor, you know, without the oxygen, and my mother found me, and um, I was in the clinic for three days with oxygen. During those three days, that's when everything happened. The team came through. I understood I was part of the team, you know these golden beings, these little lamas, you know, there were a mixture of them. And they were all around the bed. I was outside the body looking in. I was part of the team. And there was a recalibration that took place in the body. There were uh, stuff coming out and there was stuff being put in, in certain organs, you know. Um, Yeah. So there were some devices, we can call it devices or implants, that were placed, you know, um, that's where also I agreed to, um, to, to be a study case, you know, like, um, so I agreed with my team, which they reminded me that I agreed before incarnation, you know, to come and be an experiment that they could learn from on the other side, you know, in my star, in my star planet, which originally was the Pleiadians, <clears throat> and uh, and then Venusia, the the Venusians and the Arcturians came through in two thousand and nine when I had finished my transition. Um, so. They reminded me that I had we made this agreement, and therefore um, the there was this learning. I was here to learn, but I was to send the information to my my home planet. So I had a particular device that did that automatically. I didn't have to do that myself, and and that that device was in this area placed in this area, more or less. Yeah, a chip, let's call it, that had maintained contact with my family, with my star family. And I could send my experiences without sending them deliberately, you know, um, because automatically I was being monitored. Yeah, and that they would be supporting my growth and that I was coming here for a bigger purpose than than just 
And that was what was the message then. You know, it wasn't like the all the details of the mission, no. It was like, you are here for a bigger purpose, you are part of our team, we are overlighting you, and we will look after you. And you will receive lots of gifts as you go along. Gifts and talents. And we'll make some things very easy for you too. Which happened. Because I was... I came through so many challenging situations that were so easily sorted out, you know, that I came to realize that I, I was being looked after, you know. I, I felt the presence of my team on a daily basis. I started making drawings when I was very young of codes, and, um, and I didn't know it was codes, you know. Um, and my mother... You know, she kept some of the drawings, so, you know, and it was like a few years ago, she said, you were already writing your light coats when you were seven years old. I was reading books about UFOs, uh, you know, learning about all the ancient history, you know, of all the civilizations in the big changes in the world, and I was very young. Um, so I was being assisted, you know, I had this... This and I could read the thoughts after that experience. Uh, there were many things that changed. I was able to read the thoughts of people, you know, quite easily. I was able to grasp information very fast, very, very fast. I was also able to balance my body, you know, my emotional body extremely quickly, you know, almost to the point of not feeling human sometimes. Um, and I was also able to feel that this was all a game. That this we, we were part of this experience. We were just playing roles. And we were part of this, this, this mismatch, the soup of consciousness, I called it later on, the soup of consciousness. And there was actually no separation. The separation was created to learn duality and to learn polarity. And I, I started writing, very young, uh, 10, I started writing poems. So it was through the poems that I was bringing in the information. And I started writing poems about archetypes, you know, mystical archetypes, Poseidon, Adonis, and, you know, uh, I went through ancient Greece and then uh, Egypt and... And then I started writing just information, you know, automatic writing. And I know, and that was with the death of my cousin um, in Mozambique. You know, she was also my closest friend, and she died in an accident. And she was pregnant with a baby. It was a, like quite a shock to my system. Um, and um, I stepped in. And at that time, and organized everything for the family because they were, the the parents were much older, were like on their sixties, seventies, and someone needed to go and identify the body. Someone needed to organize things. Someone needed to do the eulogy. And I just went on automatic. It was like an automatic situation. No grieving. All right. But then I grieved afterwards. You know. And 
she came through. So this she came through and she said to me, it's time soon. It's time soon for you to leave the corporate life. Because you're not going to make it. <laughs> you know, body-wise, you're not going to make it. And on that day, I wrote seven pages of automatic writing. But like fast, like three minutes, four minutes. And that's when the gates opened. So the gates opened. So this, this death was a gift. Again, another gift. The realization that, yes, it was a gift because it opened a gateway to the to my worlds so that I could receive these messages and I could share it with the world. And then it was a very short period of automatic writing, maybe five months of it. And then I started bringing in information. So if you would ask me a question, I would bring in information, you know. And uh, realizing, I don't know where this information is coming from, you know. It's from my team. I was happy it was from my team. Or it's from source. And, um, and I started doing my healing sessions straight away as a hobby. So that my energy could be replenished. And my body could start resetting. And then I chose to, to leave the corporate life. I think for a lot of people, <clears throat> this sounds very strange. Mm -hmm. um, but you mentioned a few things which uh, I think are really interesting. Uh, even as children, I, I think most people accept a certain reality that, that if a child is talking to someone, for example, who's not physically there, we don't think that that's so strange, but but we may label it something like imagination, mm. um, or we dream every night, often fantastical things, mm -hmm. but we just label it a dream. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, or as you said, maybe we take certain plants or medicines that, that, that put us into a very, mm. what we would call altered state of consciousness, where there is a certain communion or a yeah. certain knowledge that people would say is coming from from God, from source, from other beings, from other mm -hmm. entities. Uh, even in a lot of modern physics, th there's a lot of these ideas that we live in a certain dimension, but there are potentially 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 other dimensions mm. uh, that we don't normally live in. Um, so it seems like there, there's kind of this strange, especially in a modern world, uh, I don't know if disconnect is the right word, but, but maybe. Yeah, it is. But even as you were mentioning, a lot of these indigenous cultures, like when, when you talk about a walkabout, there was a reason that those people were doing that, or there's a reason that the Shipibo or the Tubu in, in Colombia speak of, about star beings that that there 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 are other beings that that live in different stars or that even for example taking a plant medicine is so that one can remember who they are and where they came from and these mm. these ideas of transcending time and space mm. and dimensionality mm -hmm. and as you mentioned even these cultures that that probably a lot of the people listening from this podcast uh, maybe from a more european mm -hmm. or background 
that even the roots of that, based in, in Greek mythology, mm-hmm. that there are these very elaborate stories, which you know, are probably even predated by uh, Egyptian technology, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. You know, is this ancient technology, which we don't really understand why people created these mm-hmm. enormous megalithic structures, or, or here in Peru, and all of this, this mythology. And, but even in that, that, that way of framing it, we, we say it's myth, again, as if it's something that's other than real. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess this is a two-part question. For, from, from your experience, what made you, I guess, believe what you were, what you were receiving and, mm-hmm. and not just label it as something like an imagination or a dream or, you know, figments of something. And, and then also, where do you think, where do you think this disconnect, uh, again, maybe for lack of a better word, comes from to where for most of human history, it seemed like this was a very predominant part of Mm. people's lives, of people's cultures. Um, you know, even here in Peru, you don't just create megalithic structures for no reason. No, no. <laughs> so, but where, kind of where did this split begin to, to happen from? With me, uh, you know, just answering the first the first question, you know, it's since that, since that first episode when I was six years old and I saw, you know, I physically it was for me a validation, you know, my team was there, you know, I was part of that team, but I was also human, you know, I, um, my connection with the divine, which I called with the divine, was with me and with imagine, with the imagination, I never thought imagination was something that it was fantasy, you know, imagination is an extension of your universe that you are tapping in and um, where all potentials and possibilities exist and it's part of all of us uh, I've never seen that as separate from uh, from from myself so I lived in this world of that was complemented that had this complement you know of the myths of the uh, and I understood very very, also very young, I understood that they were just archetypes. They were just examples of the different roles and the different potentials and possibilities that we have as human nature, you know, to tap into and collect collect skills and collect talents. And they serve that, that as purpose, as a purpose. Um you know the, the tapping into the world of uh, of mother earth and connecting with the flowers connecting with the with the with the nature spirits connecting was a natural incident for me was a nat- natural occurrence because everything was part of the whole you know there was there was no uh, separation in the field you know, or perception of separation. Therefore, if met with separation initially, there was always a... I remember the first time that I met with a drastic situation, you know, 
um, or a trauma or a, it was a shock to my sister because there was there was no separation in my world inside or outside how I projected it. But when it came from the outside projected at me, you know, I didn't understand it. It was like, oh, how does this work? How do... And uh, it was from very young, of course, because the system was not uh, encouraging of imagination and fantasy and the world that I lived in, you know. So uh, the birth of separation was in the was a program that and understood as a program that was running already in the school system, in the culture, inherited in my parents' education and upbringing, mother, father, ancestral lineage, that was understood that that was birthed, you know, in our planet from the inception. So that, and how it was explained to me, it was different, you know. Um, so that source could get to know itself, you know, to the fullest potential of itself. And therefore, we all were parts of that fragmentation. We fragmented ourselves from our wholeness when we incarnated so that we, in many pieces, and only one piece was in the body, in this body, but other pieces were somewhere else, having other experience, so we could maximize the learning of this experience and this unity. And But the fragmentation was absolutely necessary for us to learn uh, how to come back to wholeness and unity within ourselves, and also how to, how to assist source itself you know, the creator to know itself so that we could know ourselves because we're part of the same. And so that's how I understood it. So when I came with, when the the first incidents were a bit of a shock to, to my system to perceive that this was not my perception, this was not where I was. And there was a feeling of alienation from that but the minute the the program was understood and the game was understood, then I needed to adapt and adjust to the game. That's why I had to live all the experiences. I had to learn how to be human. I had to to have children. I had to have normal life, marriages. I had to work in a normal in, in normal environments, in corporate environments. I had to fall into the system. I had to be able to, to also express my voice when the system wasn't working. So I had to have, because that's what we've signed up for. As humans, we've si we signed up to learn more and more about ourselves. And if we didn't experience the pain, if we didn't experience the shock, if we didn't have all this realm of experiences in the physical, we wouldn't be able to accrete more light because there was, you know, no space for it, you know. So you you have to... you. I understood that I had to experience, I had to feel the pain, I had to heal the pain. Um so that I would give space for the transformation to take place because it was through the feeling 
of frag of through the fragmentation and through the the separation that we see in our world it's through the separation that the channel opens for transformation and unity to come you know it was like so the birth of separation was designed to answer the quest second question was designed by all of us upon uh, our own incarnations you know it was designed by source itself you know that we separate ourselves from from um, from the connection with with the divine in all worlds and in all realms of experience you know so that we could then you come back to that transformation that healing and that unity would within ourselves and within the planet one day that's how i see it you spoke a few times about this idea of your allies your your helpers the these the, these solar helpers or these star beings how would you describe that to someone this idea of a star being uh, how is that different or or I mean, how is that different from another person, for example? Mm. Uh, how do you understand these realities? Like, where where is that coming from? Where where is that energy or that person or mm. where are they existing in in time and space? Uh, how is that being transmuted through you? Is that a physical entity? Is it energetic? Is it something? Is it knowledge? Is it coming from the past? Is it coming from the present? Like, wh- how would you how would you describe what's what's happening for you when you experience? It's that? coming from a place of no time and no space. It's coming from a place uh, from a stream of consciousness. So it's like you are. You you. There's a transfer of energy so it's energy so it's a body of consciousness that's energetic in its nature and that exists in different planetary bodies you know um and that uh you visit because i used to go to the to to the planets so from the age of 12 13 i started astral traveling you know so actually leaving my body and going during the night to attend these higher learning universities or uh, just to connect with the groups of beings that were my family, were part of my family. Uh, first in the Pleiadians, then in Venus, then in Arcturus. Uh, so... And then attending council meetings also in Sirius, you know. So during, until the age of about 27 to 30, you know, this was a normal occurrence, going, attending, collecting the polls, coming back in. And how the transfer of information was taking place was telepathically to me in the, in the body. So if I wasn't there collecting the information... Um, or seeing or experiencing with them um, um, or working with them on certain projects that were interplanetary, that were nothing to do with 
with the work here at this planet, I, I would be receiving telepathic messages also at certain stages of my life, which gave me guidance to the next step. So it was a telepathic transfer. There was usually electricity and electrical magnetic impulse that um, that would happen around me where the field was like, like, like a gate was open and then shoop, the information would come in, the thoughts would sink, would be integrated and then I would either write it down or, or, de or design it or design, do, do a drawing. Or later on, then I started um, using my tape recorder and doing the audios. Uh, but when I was young, no, it was just guidance, you know, and especially at big transitions in my life, like I remember when I was, when I fell pregnant, and it at that stage it was like wow, you know, single mother at university doing a masters, you know, it was like seventy eight or something like that, you know, seventy nine. Um, and it was like a no, you know, there was like this, this, you don't do something like that, you are ostracized, you are discriminated, everybody's booing, everybody's talking behind your back, everybody's, you know, I remember when I found, when I got the news, and I felt the relief, first reaction was relief. Because I knew it was a gift. And how did I know it was a gift? Because I felt the transfer of, you know, I was my team. I, you know, I felt them around me. And the message was, this is a gift. So I, I repeated, this is a gift to myself several times before sinking in, you know. And I needed to step in and embrace this gift, you know, and don't even hesitate, just embrace it, don't think twice, you know, don't hesitate, it's going, all your plans will change, diplomatic career, this and that, everything will change, but it's a gift of expansion, this is a miracle child that's coming, and this is going to heal so many parts of you, that are in need of purification and clearing. So I got this transfer. It was like I was, you know, it's, it, it's telepathic. You, you have tingling in your body. You, you receive the information and you know what to do next. You know, and no matter how many encouragement, how much encouragement I got, to give up this child, you know, it it wouldn't work because I so was embracing this gift that I had been given and I was guided. I was guided all along. I was guided when I walked out of my first marriage. I was guided when I walked out of my last marriage. I was guided when I changed direction. You know, there were so many incidents of communication so it's 
you receive the information, you feel it in your body, you feel it in your, in your heart, and you know what to do next. And you follow your intuition. You do not question. You trust. There was a lot, a lot of trusting and no doubting, you know, taking place. You know, especially those early days, you know, lots, lots of trusting and lots of doubting. And this is how the communication works. Still today, you know, yesterday I had quite an episode, you know. I went to Cusco and I was doing my errands and admin and all that stuff, you know. Forgot about what it was, full moon or not, you know. I forgot about it. And I got home. And uh, I didn't want to eat anything. I, in fact, during the day, I noticed. Because you notice. You're in touch. You need to be connected with your body. Because it's your body that's giving you the signals. I noticed that I didn't, I couldn't eat anything. That I could only drink stuff. So, you know, I had my liquids. And then I was go outside, you know. And I was sitting outside in my veranda and, you know, I saw the, the moon coming up and it had a double rainbow around it and golden inside. So there was the moon and golden. And I said, well, that's interesting. The other day, two days ago, I was in swimming in the pool and I lay down on the grass and the double rainbow was on top of me and I received communication, something was coming. And I need to pay attention. You know, I need to pay really focus, you know. So this must be it. So I sat there and I was told, go and get your phone. Because I have a magic camera <laughs> in my phone that catches energies that, you know, and the people don't catch, you know. So not that I have a magic camera, but there is. So I took photos and I asked them. Uh, then I was asked to fractalize the photos, you know, mirror them, mirror some of the photos. And a whole message came through from the elemental kingdom, the dragon kingdom, the rebirth of power in a different way there then. I had another set of the, where the sky became indigo, like Bordeaux color, and only the moon appeared, you know, and I've got all that in my, you know, and, and it was the birth of passion and the energetic, the new energy that was coming through and the leadership that needs to, the seats of leadership that needs to be taken by the pioneers of light that have committed to that before incarnation, many, many, and it, it's starting now, you know. Then I had another set of the Andes, so the whole stretch of the Andes with lots of gold technology inside, lots of gold, and also lots of people, so lots of beings appeared in my photos, you know, small little beings, my llamas, the group of llamas that are very small that are with me for a long time, they appeared on my photos, you know, and this energy of the Andes and the, the how the Andes is so important for the reset of consciousness in the world. And it's going to be a pivotal part and a, one of the pivotal points of consciousness. 
um, the breaking down of the of the corruption and greed and the emergence of natural resources that are preserved. It, it was a whole, a whole thing. So then I go, I'm still outside. So doing all this, then come, then I, I was told, okay, time to go inside. Um, because it's like you are moving, you are you are in the energy, so it's it talks to you, you know, telepathic. It's all telepathic, and I sat in my lounge and I looked at my curtains. And I have a solar disc with uh, glyphs that I drew that are hanging, which represent the Sacred Worlds game that I've, uh, I'm about to launch. And from the disc, there was a wave like this, a white wave on the curtain. You know, you could see the shadows, you could see the wave, you could see the design of the frequency. And I had to sit there in front and just, so you, at that time, when things like that happen, what is the revelation that I am about to receive? I'm open, you know, you, you say, I'm open to receive. I'm, you know, I'm open to, to, to be assisted. You know, I'm willing to be assisted. I am assisted to decipher and discern what this energy is and what does it mean and why is it today here and any other day that I sit in the sofa, I've never seen it. And it's coming from the disc. So what is the glyphs telling me? You know, what is the frequency that? And sometimes nothing comes out like yesterday. I had already received all that information. So I was just told, just stand with your palms up. So I put my palms up and receive. That was it. So I still don't know. But you follow because you are in guidance to the, the divine presence that's speaking through you. You are in that divine presence and you trust it. So you receive it. And I know that in a couple of days it will it will make sense to me at the moment. I know it's a frequency wave. I know it's got a chant and a sound because I heard it when I went to bed, you know, the sound of it. I know it's from the disc and it's from the glyphs, the elvic, because it's an elvic disc from the elvic kingdom, you know, from the elves. That's all I know. But I'm in trust. But so it's, you follow the signs. It's the visual, it's a frequency in the body, a tingling, you know, with me, it's very, very cold hands. When I start with suddenly my body, like yesterday when I got home, I was frozen. My hands were frozen and my feet were frozen. And I said, okay, something's going to happen. Go outside. And that's how it all started. But it's you moved, you moved, and you know that this 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 energy is coming from source. So there's no hierarchy, you know. In the beginning, I had a lot of connections with the Pleiadians, with with with, with the Venusians, because I had to go to the to in planet and learn quite a lot of things, and even with the Arcturians. 
and the Syrians with, with cell regeneration. I worked a lot with cell regeneration in projects off-planet, not within this planet. But that was in preparation for my body to be here longer also. You know, it was needed for me to do that. But then they all went. They all left. And I remember the day that they left, that all my star contacts, let's call it this way, you know, except for my my consciousness, uh, you know, golden ones, which I call them, because I feel them around me, but I mean, I don't see them anymore, you know, because they are inside now. They're no longer outside myself. The day that, that it was 2017 that they all went, I was miserable. I thought, this is it, I've lost it. I've lost my contact with the divine because I can't connect with any of them. And I was given immediately a transfer of information. You know, it's like a telepathic. You feel there's a tingling, there's a pulse. It's like if someone is walking inside you and it's not walking inside. And this light and said, Everything is inside you now. And that was it. Nothing else. And I was so used from so young to connect with this one, with Solaris, to Sederos, to, 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 you know, I had names for them too. You know, and then, shoo, gone. I, it took me months to adjust to that one. Because although I trusted that everything, there was part of me that did not. You know, until I then had validation with things that happened in my life and that I went in to check in on with my higher self and my divine presence and I was given the guidance. But initially, I thought, this is it. I'm disconnected like everybody else is disconnected. But it wasn't, you know, and... Everybody else is not disconnected either because they are connected. You don't need to connect with star beings. You don't need to connect with, 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 with nature spirits. Um, you don't need to connect even with, with Pachamama. You, what you need is to connect with your higher presence and your divine presence. And you don't need all these hierarchies, you know. They, they assist. They have assisted me to to learn quantum, you know, quantum technology, to uh, to to share experiences from other worlds so that I can then share it through my work here. Yeah? But not everybody is here to do that. You know, but lots of people are here just to be connected with their divine presence and just engage from the heart. And from the purity of the heart, the most wonderful human beings that I know walking throughout the world that I've met are not those that are connected with star beings or nature spirits or fairies. They are those that are connected to themselves fully with that divine presence. And they do actions, actions in the world, not talk about but do it, you know. 
so I had to learn that too. So it was like, okay, now I'm, this is it. I'm here. Where do you think that, that trust or that, that faith came from? Because my, my sense is <coughs> probably there's a lot of people who may begin to touch on some of those things you spoke of, whether it's, <coughs> it could be in that hypnagogic space before they're going to bed where, you know, it's a huge transition, which again, I think we, we just gloss over. We, mm -hmm. But for all intents and purposes, you're, you're, you're dying. You're, you're letting go of, 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 of this world, of, of who you are, and entering a very different space. And mm -hmm. yet, sometimes in these spaces, I think people can experience this fear or this going into another dimension. It, it, it could be, as you said, just something that comes on or in the presence of something truly great or horrifying. Mm -hmm. Also in, in, in plant medicines, it, it's another mm -hmm. thing that often comes up. And, but it, it seems like one of the, the things that really holds people back um, is, this, is this sense of fear, of really letting go, of, of allowing everything we think that we know to be real, to, to be willing to let that go, to let that die. Um, and, and, you know, I, I would imagine with a lot of these experiences that took a tremendous amount of courage or trust or faith to be able to continue to, to go into these things. I mean, even in a lot of these indigenous cultures, again, they, they talk about the, these ideas of, of transcending the 12 dimensions of time and space, mm. but, but they would also say these things like you have to be very careful because maybe you could get lost there, maybe you're not ready to go there. And I think a lot of that comes from that actually lack of faith, mm. or, or maybe not even a lack of, but just it, it hasn't been embodied yet. So no, it one, hasn't been embodied. Yeah, you know, prepared for it. Yeah, I think, and I have been, you know, connected to many indigenous cultures, and uh, I certainly feel that there's a lot of fear with that, you know, the, you know, in the, in the narration, you know, of that space, of that 12-dimensional space, that is a space that you can get lost. So that, that then, that is a disempowering, this, that is a disempowering message, you know. Um, there is awareness that needs, that, and a, a message of awareness is different than a fearful message. That you are in a, that if you are in a suspended state of consciousness, not grounded in the body. Because one of the things that I've learned when everything was inside me was that I was for the first time grounded in my body, which I was not before. That I had my cords in the core of the planet. And that I was in progress to embodiment of the energies of the stars, of other worlds, other universes, other galaxies, and all those aspects and versions of the self into the body. And that was the 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 that was the gift, you know. That's what we came to learn: is to bring those into the body, embody them you know, and ground them onto the earth. 
and extend those cords to the earth with all those aspects. That embodiment practice um, is not is not um, encouraged uh, or and it's not practiced with the same extent in indigenous practices, you know, than the ascended practice. So this is what I found, and I'm generalizing, because in Africa, for example, the um, the Zulus and the Sutus have a full embodiment practice, you know. Let's embody our serious composition into the body, and there's fire rituals, and there's, you know, there's a lot of shamanic, there's a lot of shamanic rituals with the with the Kiros, for example, here in Peru, to embody the energy. Um, but generally, it's the importance has been for everyone that is discovering other worlds and is on the path to awaken or is already awakened and is on the path to to understand how this thing works. There's little emphasis on the dissension of the energy, you know, bringing in those higher versions of yourself into the body, you know, and going through the the degrees of initiation, which is the fire, the water, the earth, the air, and the ether. And then you have two, two other degrees, you know, which are the clear old audiences and clear sentient and the the connection with the divine and then the transmutation of the body you know uh, while in physical form so seven degrees of initiation that is not uh, in a lot of uh, in a lot of disciplines of spiritual disciplines it is not uh, the main thrust of it which is helps you with the embodiment. And for me, that's what really did it, you know, because after everything disappeared, you know, and all those versions were inside, so to speak, inside myself, then I needed to feel they were inside myself. I needed to, to ground them. So I needed to re-ash the initiations that I received from my Tibetan so-called monk, you know, the zeos, the, the energy, you know, opened the field for me to feel the energy and to get to know my versions. But those initiations had to be revisited in a different way by walking the earth and do shamanic practices. So a fire ritual, you know, working with the wind, working with the water, working with a, with a, with eta, you know, working with sound and resonance, you know. So making mantra, uh, uh, chanting mantras helped me a lot to embody the energy, you know, to do, to put sound in the practice of meditation, to walk in meditation or to dance in meditation. That was a huge key for me to embodiment to embody all those versions into the body. And of course you set the intention, because you've got to set the intention to to bring those versions into the body, you know, and to earth them on uh, in your physical body and in the body of the planet, you know. 
um, before you do a practice, because you're calling. It's your intention that is manif that is an automatic manifestation that can create that. And so I found that sound, that uh, dance, that rituals, all sacred ceremonies, you know. So that's when I went to the shamanic. I said, the connection to the earth is important for the work ahead that needs to be done and the actions that are going to be delivered in my future assignments and the ones with others. I can't do it if I'm not in the body fully, you know. And so all these rituals would, you know, inside water, uh, you know, transforming the energy of the water inside your body, you know, by taking in structured water or water that is of high frequency or putting a crystal in your water so you purify because it's not enough that they tell you it's organic or it's structured. You, you activate it with a sound. So you are using high frequency tools with the energy that you know, your ascended energy, in order to then ground that in the body and then you, you drink it because it needs to go into the body. Swimming in water also, you know, and practices in water, just like I went through those baths, you know. A lot of my teachings is to do with that because it worked to clear, to purify, but also to bring in the energy of the, the, the frequency that I was in alignment outside, perceived to be outside, was actually inside the cell structure of the body. Working with the skeleton structure and perceiving that your skeleton is not just a bunch of bones, you know, that's the interface to the steel, the, 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 the crystal stargate, you know. You, you interface with all realms of existence, past, present, future. Through, through your bone structure. That's where you have the key, the memory. The memory actually is, is um, crystallized in the bone structure. That's why, you know, trauma is very difficult to be released from the bone structure. That's the last place that the trauma is the, it, it locates itself. You might have healed. You might have done... Or, you know, all sorts of healings. But if you do not, uh, uh, you know, transform the, the, uh, the, the trauma from the bone structure, you, you will still have those flashes, you know, and those triggers. The charges will still be there. So you need to clear it from the bone structure because the bone structure is your interface as a grid of light. So that's, uh, so taking care of, of that consciously. So I am conscious that I'm clearing that, you know, and that now I'm going to do a fire ceremony in order to set my manifestation to do that because I need to anchor it in the planet. 
or I'm going to swim in this water to do that, or I'm going to put my feet inside the sand, or, or the whole body inside the sand, in order to ground my energy and the aspects of myself that are, um, are in high frequency, and that I understood that they are, but that I am unable to, to put actions to it. I can talk about it, I can do podcasts, I can share it with the whole world, but I cannot action a project to completion because I am not grounded. Or because it's not your, your um, assignment in some cases. But in most cases it's because of the grounding that is, is not, hasn't taken place. The acceptance that to be here we need to be with our feet on the ground, very, that we need to embody and own what we have, you know, and um, that this, that we, by working with the elements of nature, we have a key. And that was one of the, one of the secrets for me was the discovery that the elements of nature are one of the main keys of embodiment because it's not about the fire. No, the liver is your fire. Your elements of nature are inside the body. So that's where you start. And again, for me, the guidance when I was going through this process, everything is inside you, you know, was the Tibetan wisdom. Because the Tibetan lineage has a lot of wisdom that um, that can assist us with the embodiment process of the high frequencies into the body and into, into this planet and uh, there's a soul retrieval methodology for example that they have you know when you give your power away through time you know and uh, you fragment yourself you know, whether you are conscious or unconscious, everybody has a great deal of fragmentation. And there's sometimes the embodiment or the integration can't take place because of that. So you need to go and collect all your fragments that of either power you've given away, permission slips that you've given, you know, adventity because you were not in awareness or or you are not loving to be in this planet, for example, or you wanted to go home somewhere else because you were disassociated and disconnected, which is the mass consciousness is, is the collection of the elements, but it starts inside. So that starts sounding the organs so that they can be in balance with each other. So when you work with the elements, so the fire is your liver, then the water is your, the the water is your kidneys, you know, the air is your lungs, uh, you know. So you're working with the different types of the body, and you are activating a battery of sounds, all right, or mantras. There's Tibetan mantras, to activate that, and you do this over a period of eleven days, and some people do it thirty-three days you know, every single day, 
you say these mantras in order to balance everything. So it's a discipline. And I had to go through that discipline. I had to do the the embodiment. The, it clears, purifies, and activates balance. So there's space between the organs. When the organs are all squashed up, there's no space for anything, for new light to come in, new information to come in, to be discerned, to be decoded, nothing. But once you you activate the, the functionality of the meridians change, and so does the functionality of the organs change, you know, then you have space. You have space within the cell structure also to receive new light and to understand what you're receiving. But you are grounded because you're doing this grounded in the body. You're doing this with your body first. And then you're working with the elements. You do your fire rituals, your water rituals, your, you, know, you play with the wind, you know, um, and you, you can make the wind you know, move, move trees, you know, and you can make the fire, you know, big or small, you know, you learn how to do that. And uh, <clears throat> that was afterwards. But the first step is to do it with your body first. Once you feel, okay, I've got this, you know, I'm much more clear, you know, I have collected all these fragments of myself, you know, uh, and I have released those that I don't want, you know, also, um, because it's not for my eyes good or for, for this particular phase of my life, you know. When you feel that you complete, then you work with the elements of nature. Or you can do it simultaneously, you know, like I did it simultaneously. Um and going to locations. So that's when I did my, I started with my walkabout of really going to sacred sites, which I've always done it all my life, but I did it in a different way because I started doing rituals and ceremonies in the sites themselves to ground the energy in the body. Whether before I would go there to open the portal fix a ley line or open or or close a portal that was artificial, you know. Um but I wasn't really working with a with with a with my with the body. You know, I was on a mandate basically. You know, this was a interplanetary mission, you know, I needed to work with Mother Earth. So I was working with the collective consciousness but I was separate from the collective consciousness. Thinking that I wasn't. I thought I was one with the collective consciousness. But I wasn't because I was always in guidance by my Pleiadians or my Syrians. Or, and I was, although all those were me, I didn't have that integrated and embodied. So, you know, the water you drink, the practices you do, the uh, moving the body was another knowledge for me that I really needed to move the body all the time. 
you know, because when the morph the body doesn't move, and we all have our preferences in moving the body. Some of them is yoga. For me, it's too slow. For the energy level that I that I have, I prefer to swim, or I prefer to hike big hills. You know, uh, even kickboxing is fantastic. You know, um, for me. Um, I, I, I really liked Tai Chi, thought a bit slow, but, uh, but it helped me to center myself. So the combination of a practice like that for me, and not yoga, yoga is not for me, you know. Um, so, so you then, you try, trial and error, you know, you choose, but you're consciously bringing all these things because you are embodying the energy. And also, you need to get back into your a regular setup. Like many of us isolated themselves, and I'm one that did that. During many years, I would only be connected to spiritual communities. I would only connect with my family members because they understood me. Hmm? And I would connect with spiritual communities all over the world. But I wouldn't go in any setup that that had mass consciousness, you know, that were not within the same frequency that I was. So I was separating myself from myself in doing that. And I only understood when I started embodying that that was what I was doing. I needed to get back in. So I needed to make sure I go to a coffee shop full of people. That I go in dancing to a, a, a club, you know, full of people. That I go into, uh, you know, regular places, you know, that, that have regular people, that have people. That because you, once you are, your, your frequency He's stable and centered. You can be anywhere. Anywhere. And you are able to sustain it. You're also able to transmute anything that is not, that you pick up. Because as you walk into the room, you pick up. You might pick up straight away. Wow, okay, something is needs to be cleared. You're clear, all right. And there you are. But it's so important that all of us that have worked in ourselves for a long time, that are doing psychedelic journeys, psychedelic journeys, that are embodying aspects of of the self, or 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 collapsing, that get back to normal life, to living. Because what I realized is I was not living. I was only living in a gated community. So what's the contribution to the world? If you're just online, not face-to-face, you're online because you're hiding behind the camera, all right? And you are not in contact. What contribution can you make? Is that what you're here to do? And of course the answer was no. So... The last seven years have been uh, challenging, 
you know, uh, because it was about the embodiment, you know, and the embodiment had many lessons and many gifts. I wouldn't even call them lessons, but experiences that were not tapped in and and visions of the of the the big picture you know i was missing the big picture you know if you've come here and we've come so many of us are here to lead the way and the message from yesterday was very clear about the leading that we need to step into that but it's not about hiding ourselves in communities and gated communities and you know doing um you know, just attending curtain and and attending this and and just doing ceremonies or doing journeys. We need to get back into normal life, and sometimes you need to get back into normal jobs, so that you can make a difference. Because you you are it's a frequency that comes in. You know, for me it was very challenging to uh, to put together. Um, you know the the sacred walls game, you know. So I, I had to stop all my activities of light, you know. Uh, but I understood that this was my first activity, where I was going to be, face to face. I was going to be face to face from now on with, no mass consciousness. I had to launch the the board game. Work with advertising agencies, work with with uh, with distributions, work with production companies, work, I had to get back in, into normal life. But now I was ready to do it. Because if this had been done seven years ago, I wouldn't have been able to do it. So there's a preparation, which is called, which I call the incession or the dissension that needs to take place, practices to do with that. And then I am open to walk the earth wherever it takes me. If I have to go and do a, a speech for 200 people, I go and do that. And I don't have a problem whether the room is protected, <laughs> you know, where there is entities or is there is this, because that is just, it's, Nothing is going to happen to you. I mean, I never really had that problem before, but but I wouldn't. I would simply refuse to go to those spaces because I wouldn't feel comfortable. And I even used it's not in alignment with my frequency. So I birthed that separation. I was birthing a separation. Until I understood that washer, now everything is outside. It, that was connecting me to everything, to the planet, to this has gone. It's just me now, you know, I've got this divine presence and I, I'm all this. I understand I'm this grid. But how does it work now? How do I have to? And for me, that's why we are here. We are here to do that. You know, we are here to to tap into those fields, in all those gifts, those potentials, bring it in, reset our body, because our body needs to reset, to calibrate, to regenerate, 
in order for us to then step into action. You know, what's the next step? What's the next action? How am I going to, what am I going to do? What action or activity or experience that I'm going to share, um, bring about as a creator that I am, because I am a creator, to transform this planet? And that's why we're here. You know, and I talked through experience because that's my exp This is where I am now. I'm now launching this game for children's Sacred uh, Worlds game, which is a transformation game. It's a collaboration. It's a collaborative game. It's not about competition. It's about working with parents, parents and children working together, teachers working with with children, honoring their imagination and honoring their gifts and exchanging. You know, it's a space where they get together and they're free to express who they are. And it's a self-discovery game. And it's one of the products, but then there's the oracle cards, then there's the box, then it's all, it's all like a friend of mine said, 3D stuff. <laughs> but it's 3D stuff that needs to be placed here from a 5D frequency embodied being or in progress because we never arrive you know I still have a way to do it that's why that ring's still missing the diamond you know but yeah it's the illusion that we think we've arrived when we tap into energies of other worlds because we haven't we've only arrived when everything is inside the body and we actually manifesting actions that are giving concrete results in the world and it could be through the spoken word also my my case is not spoken word has been you know a path that I've taken for a long time and with healing modalities and and transformations and healings in many places and and now it's concrete actions of projects that need to be placed on earth well I think <clears throat> your, your spoken word is quite strong because um, everything you just said very much resonated. You, you you said this idea, which I think is is really vital, and that it's this idea of of listening to your intuition. Uh, even in common language, I, I think some people would describe it as like listening to the gut or listening to the heart, mm, uh, mm. maybe rather than listening to the mind. And I think that's something that, that so many people struggle with, whether it's from conditioning or doubts or fears. But I, I, I think so much of <clears throat> what could be described as that higher knowledge or, or deep knowledge, there's often a very deep intuitive sense of something like this is what it is. This is correct. This is this is the way I need to walk. And yet doubts can come in, whether we yeah. question that or fears or, or, yeah, other people. It, it's also something that, that's very common in, in plant work and something that, that I think 
actually takes a high degree of skill to be able to differentiate something such as this plant is telling me this or this higher being is telling me this verse maybe this is what I what I, I think I want or mm-hmm. you know my body is telling me I want this chocolate cake but but is that coming from a very deep place or is that coming from something that's maybe still out of alignment and and even as you were saying we're never fully there we're we're always mm-hmm. like life it's a constant movement it's a constant dance so for you where is that where is there a sense of when you've really tapped into that intuition is there something that that allows you to 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 really know like this this is truth that this is my intuition this is this is my guides this is mm-hmm. that there's no questioning it's just this is what it is versus maybe something that's coming from somewhere else yeah that has been always a it's been a practice that that came from already from you know that guide that I said to Zeus, you know the filtering of and the discernment of information. It was um, during those two years. The, one of the toughest practices was that, and it was also one of the big challenges for me. You know. Um, was to be able to discern what was if what was coming in, you know, even with the languages, what was coming in was coming from the purity of the presence of the source energy, or was coming from somewhere else, and. Um, And it's the first step of the practice, you know, as as I was learning how to do it, you know. For initiates, the first step is to, as the energy, as the message comes in, stepping out as into the observer and saying, is this questioning? What is this message from a pure source? And saying, I am receiving I am infinite and I'm loving, for example, um, is this who speaks and is this from a pure soul? Questioning. So that helped me a lot in the beginning to step out and to question because I, I was asked to do that, you know. Question no matter who it is, even if it's the purity of source, you need to filter, you know, discern. And the only way to do it in the beginning is to question, you know, where is it coming from? So you do like a test, you know, and a validation. Test and validate. And the only validation is your body. This is what I found. You can ask the question. There is then a signal that is given to you, but it needs to be felt with the body. If the body is uncomfortable, if the body feels pain somewhere, if the heart is closed, if the mind shatters, con- continues to ch- to shatter, you know, create stories, you know that that is not a clear message. So you stop 
and you do not act. And you go on a walkabout. So instead of making the decision straight away or receive the energy, you take yourself out and you go on a, to nature, you know, you tune in to, you do a practice, could be a sun, gla a, sun a meditation, it could be a walkabout practice, it could be a, or you all, you just go about doing your own thing that day. And you request that the information gets validated by yourself. And um, in the beginning it wasn't that easy, you know, to do that. Um, because it was a long process, you know. And I wanted everything quickly because I wanted, because the ego wanted, you know. The ego wanted things to go, to speed up. The ego wanted to, to feel that it was Jesus that was speaking, you know, or that it was this person that was speaking, that was an ascended being. But then you get it right, because it's a practice. Every day it happens, you know, you filter, you use your body as a barometer. That's, that's your tool, you know. Your body, you need to find out that your body, your body tells you that if it's in pain, if it's in, in, that it's in discomfort, you know, it's immediate. But if you're, so I never used um, a pendulum, you know, and uh, I could have used the pendulum because I wanted to do it with my body. So my, how I discern is through my heart. If this space is open, and if there is a pulse, a nice pulse, not a, a, a pulse like this, then I know that the, what I am receiving is from source, you know, and it's pure. If my body contracts, if I'm, I have my jaws are stiff, you know, if I feel like a, a pain here, or a discomfort in my joints, you know, because you need to, to start feeling those things also in the body, allowing it, then you know, this is not clear. So I am not consenting. So because we can choose not to engage, I am not consenting. Neither am I paying attention to this energy, neither am I going to be doing any of what was suggested because I do not trust that or I know then I started learning that I do not trust that still implies that you might have a bit of trust it's just a play in words but I know that that is not for my highest good and for the highest good of all you always have to add that because it's not about you. Because you are not uh, a single empire. You are part of the whole matrix, you know, the whole grid system. 
do you find it can also be the same because it's something I experience a lot which is actually the negative of something that when I hear something and, and again it's a bit of, of words or uh, maybe pedantic but yeah but when there's something that comes in that feels negative and and it's like every cell of my body contracts yes. and, and I often associate that if I really investigate it to this idea of separation it's something that's no, it is it's, it's, uh, uh, absolutely, because when you stiffen up, you're limiting the field uh, of light, of new light, a new transformation, of even added, added gifts to come in. So you are separate, you're self-sabotaging yourself by separating yourself from, the, from that, that gift's that is right there for you to pick. It's exactly that. Mm -hmm. And the body tells you. The body tells you. But it, uh, sometimes, what I found that sometimes it's interesting also, that um, especially when you are in a journey of great, great expansion. All right. This is another scenario. Great expansion. And uh, you have crossed several thresholds that were challenges for you. Things like, oh, I would never be able to do that. Okay, and you've overcome that. Okay. Then you've got another one that's coming up. Uh, you know, for me, first was writing the book. Then it was, you know, developing a game, you know, um, you know, in my corporate career throughout, you know, even... Even uh, uh, how quickly I moved, I always had this thing. I was not able to do it, you know, first. But then daring myself to open to that. And it came from the body too. So the body would go into anxiety. Okay. And get stiff. But it wasn't the body that was getting stiff. And then I realized it was the mind that was instructing the body, you know, because then, because my mind was very active, it was active intelligence, active thoughts, you know, active constructs, active stories. So the story would be created, you know. That is quite a big challenge, a step you are not going to be able to do it. So, of course, the body contracts. It wasn't the body. So, I started paying attention that it wasn't my body, uh, that the part of resistance inside me didn't come from the body. It came from the mind that was instructing the body. Because in big transformations, you also have that feeling. When you're going through big transformations and now you have to go into the United Nations and do a speech in two weeks' time, you know, and uh, you've never faced so, so many people and you have to go in there, your body gets stiff. Same signals as if you are discerning, you see? 
But it's not the body that gets. It's the mind that says, no, you're not going to be able to handle this. Or maybe you are going. The doubt that comes in is created by the stories that are narrated by the mind and by the collective consciousness. Because that's another thing that I noticed. That's, then I, I started working on my mind and the stillness of the mind, and it wasn't the mind. But I was still faced with that challenge. Where does it come from? Then I realized it comes from the collective consciousness. Okay, Collective consciousness of the lists of do's and don'ts and what you can do, what you can't do, and what you're limited and what you're not limited sometimes is so overwhelming that you need to discern also that. What's soul agreements, soul contracts is another thing, you know, that you have a soul agreement to go and do that. But that soul agreement comes from where? So it's not your agreement because you've 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 sorted out your agreements, you've cleared your agreements, you know, and I've done quite a lot of work on agreements and contracts, dissolved it, purified, you know. But I was still getting this, and it wasn't. It was a soul consciousness agreement of the collective in the planet that somehow was stepping into my field and I was allowing it. Because you need to give permission slips for it to come in. Obviously, you are not discerning that. So then I started qualifying, you know, when filtering. You know, I would qualify the mind, you know, soul agreements from the collective consciousness, um, from any agreements at intergalactically that we have made, you know, before this incarnation that might still have a cord to this, to this, or any parallel realities that we exist as a soul that is impacting on the consciousness of this body. So covered all avenues. Within this galaxy, within others, within this universe, within others. So I qualified, did the whole statement. Did a lot of work with that. Because once the mind was in observer mode, and it still happens, so th I'm talking presently, this does, is a, a modus operandi still. Once the mind is in observer mode and it's observing the observer and you know it's not the mind because you, should, you, you are able to sort that out and you still have the doubt, the perception of doubt and it's coming from what stream, in what, in what universe, in what galaxy, in what parallel reality because there's another whole thing. <laughs> there's another whole thing. But again, you can do that through the body. You feel, but you have to ask the questions, where does it come from? You know, I know that I am this body, but I also know that parts of myself, you know, are in other realities existing, as I am existing in this body. So is, is it something, is this part of myself that's in another reality 
that is playing this role, that is impacting in this consciousness and putting this heavy doubt in my field. And what is it, please, reveal itself. And you leave it. Don't, you don't have to be paranoid about it. But by requesting the information, or setting the intention at least, it becomes practice. And then you, you, you are able to use your discernment in, and your filter, you know, covering all realities of existence also. And, and also take into account the collective consciousness of the planet. That's very strong, you know. And that is not affecting you. Because you are not giving permission for that. Neither you are consenting that that happens. But you need to be clear. And that is part of that embodiment practice that, uh, that I'm talking about. You know. And that is... Uh, I find that by hearing a lot of the psychedelic experiences at journeys... Um, people that do it and then come back for a session, for example. At the moment, I'm not doing uh, many sessions because I'm quite busy with the project, but when I used to do it, that a lot of that played in those, in those ceremonies. And when, and when the, the discussion, and when I asked the questions and the discussion, I, uh, I really tapped in that a lot of the stuff that comes in, which they labeled as entities that have damaged my vehicle, my vessel, were actually loose ends. There were contracts and agreements that were not sorted out or even acknowledged to any point. They were coming from the collective consciousness of that particular group, you know, that of members that were tied up to that collective consciousness that brought it in. They were coming to dream world, but through the unconscious and the super con the, the unconscious mind of the group, and that were in parallel realities that they didn't even know existed. But that the facilitation of the, or the facilitator wasn't aware of any of this. See, wasn't aware of, so a discussion with the facilitator was, was uh, because it was like they don't, you know, I've gone back to him or to her, but they don't understand. They say it's just my mind playing up. But the fact is, I can't move my leg. I have a pain in my heart, and I can't eat. For example, <laughs> you know. So what now? Because there is a. It is not just the body. It's not just about our experiences. It's about wholeness that's happening. And so <clears throat> what I find with, with facilitators, which is important, and I've, and I've talked because I know many facilitators here, yeah, uh, is that get yourself, you know, get yourself trained in the, as far as that in that that field that that world those worlds are are a reality <laughs> you know you need to get yourself 
you know, sensitive to that, learn how to do it, learn how to tap in, uh, do it yourself, take time, go on a, a diet, but don't tell me you're going on a diet of 11 days and you are going to do exactly the same that you did the last time. Go on a, a diet of introspections, an inner journey to understand what more is there so that you can help better your, you know, those that you take on a journey because it's a very big responsibility, you know. Talking about that that idea of something being more, and you you mentioned when you were young, you, you became very interested in, in ancient culture and history, and and also going back to this idea of star beings, and even being here in Peru, there are these megalithic structures which have this extremely high precision, and I think especially in this this field, for example, of like archaeoastronomy. Yes. Seeing in Egypt the, the amazing precision which which these things were built, and through ideas of like procession and, and seeing the astrological alignment, and very commonly aligned to these star systems like the Pleiades or Sirius, um, a lot in the mythology of a lot of indigenous cultures. Um, what for you is is the significance? I, for you mentioned a few times this idea of these star beings of, of this knowledge from Sirius or the Pleiades or the Arturians or, or speaking about ancient cultures. What is that knowledge? And, and also, how do you differentiate? I mean, what is the difference for you between knowledge coming from Sirius or knowledge coming from Pleiades? Why, why is that important? Um, because it seems very important for you, mm -hmm. but also looking at indigenous culture throughout history, and indigenous culture is indigenous to everywhere, it's not isolated to certain mm. parts of the earth, that was a huge part of their their worldview. So it's, it's maybe kind of a vague question, but, but what what is that knowledge, and, and why is it so important? And, and also, why do you think it's described, for example, as... Pleiadian knowledge mm. or Syrian knowledge? Like, what is that differentiation for you? Uh, for me, it has been quite an easy way to differentiate because I've had the opportunity to actually visit the places, you know. Uh, but if I didn't, let's say I was just receiving information from the one or from the other, um, the type of information and technology that they share is very different. You know, the Pleiadians, they work with uh, compassion and they have qualities, specific qualities that are visible, that are tactful. You know, they work with a, and this, this infinite love. It's not even conditional or unconditional. So you feel this everlasting. It's like the Venusians when they come in, you know, when the, the, the technology sets in, when you receive the activation that, that they, the, that, comes from that source. You know it's them because there's this incredible love. It's like a bliss situation. You know, you feel the bliss. Um, uh, also, there are certain subjects that they are specialized in, that they are. So, for example, the, 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 the Venusians will come in with uh, uh, a lot of work with, with relationships, 
a lot of work with partnerships, community work, a lot of work with the purity of the water inside, outside, you know, because they are they really have a pristine situation in terms of of resources. But in terms of the 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 their waters is like crystalline, it's you know, it's really pure. So they have a water water technologies that are very, very advanced. They also have a lot of um activations that have to do with opening the 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 energetic centers of the of the sacrum you know the perineum you know working with the perineum working with the with the with the womb working with the ara working with which are terms that it's are known here they have other terms working with the heart chambers many heart chambers we're looking at five chambers that are open you know, and then working with with technology that uh, is to do with sound mantras, but of course star mantras, and infrared lights and blue lights, blue spheres of light, um, opening the third eye, you know. So they bring in that, you know. So if they come in and they they want to. Uh, re reset your your higher mind and rebalance your left and and uh, right hemispheres or the, the 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 left globe and the then you would question because it's not one of the specialities you know um that is an Arcturian technology you know or even an Andromedan technology Alpha Centaurus, they also very much technic they technical and scientific. The way the the activation comes about indicates the source, the origin of the source of the technology. But you have to feel this with your heart. You can't question it with your mind because you won't get there. You won't be able to discern, you know. With the with the Pleiadians, for example. It's all about the well-being, you know, and a lot of the cell rejuvenation and recalibration of cell structure, the awakening of the dormant DNA, the junk DNA, you know. Um, my work with them has been mainly with that, and we worked with the Syrians because they are really, really uh, incredible, uh, what do we call it? hypergeneticism uh, you know that's that's current they're really really good so there's you know so they are they specialize in this in this area they specialize in opening the channels of your meridians you know with with this golden light and bringing in the the um the rose uh different different uh we can call it colors, but it's frequencies of light. We call it the emerald, the rose, the Siberian blue, you know, and all this is a codex with glyphs of information. Through the language of light, they work very much in uh, repairing that dormant DNA, the junk DNA, and uh, repairing the damaged one, repairing the, uh, the junk DNA, Re-harmonizing, re-energizing it, 
you know, creating a new resonance for the diff for the DNA, and then aligning it, creating bringing it to balance. Very, they very, it's very specific that they the balance is one of the keys, balance and equilibrium and centeredness, the for for the the Pleiadian energy. So you learn that, and if something different comes through, you know, hey, it's not that, you know, because that is not, that is not what they do. That is not their area of specialization. It's something, something else. And it could be that they're working with somebody else. It also, that they are doing cell regeneration and uh, so recalibrating and uh, resetting and reformatting cell structures to work in a different in in a in a different uh, uh, so changing the the the, the mechanism and the functioning of the uh, of how the cells worked it's now all reset and changed in a different way because the axis of the earth is changing from the you know the poles are inverting so that means that we are inverting so we need to change. So this work, for example, is one of the one of the major work that's happening with the Syrians and the Pleiadians. They make a team quite quite often, and then they fetch the Andromedans because they have a higher technology that can add to that. But each star nations have areas of speciality, you know, and by connecting with them through the years, you know, uh, you know you are able to discern, you know, if it is them or if it's not them, you know. Uh, it's like getting information from a fairy who's dressed as an elf. You know, the elves are all about their tricksters, first of all, you know, and they, they, they will really work with the invisibility. You know, it's one of their... And if a fairy is trying to to convey a message like that, then you need to question, you know, and you ask, you can ask the question, you know, you can ask the question. Apart from feeling from your body, with your body too, but um, if you've been connected with these energies over a period of time, and you know what type of work uh, or has been shared with you, uh, and with others that you know that also are connected with those beings because that's important because it's it's sort of indirect validation then you 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 know how to discern it's not difficult how to discern and uh, the, they are in service to us actually they're not manipulating us so the message, there's another way to discern this, and this is also I found in ceremonies, you know, from uh, um, people that come to me afterwards, afterwards there was one incident that um, this person told me that the play, it was a Pleiadian energy called Solaria, Solaris, and that uh, appeared in one of the ceremonies and told her the next day, um to you know leave her marriage leave her, uh, her 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 work and go uh, and relocate to bali I th that was the story 
So I received this information. I know it immediately this is not okay. Because no, none of the star, the star beings are a support, they nurture, they are a basis of information to add to our experience, but just to add to our experience, any decisions that we, any decisions are our decisions. They will never, never give an instruction of any nature. None of these energies will come with a pack of instructions that I was told to do this and I'm going. No. None. None. From any sort, not even the elves, you know, that they play tricks, you know. That, no. If you receive a message that is giving you an instruction or... It might not come as an instruction. It might come something like, we suggest you do this, that, 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 that. You know, with a whole... No, because the whole thing is, the, the, these star beings that are part of ourselves, first of all, we have the hybridization. So we have the genetic makeup inside so if you are connecting with the Arcturians or the Venusians or that, you have that inside your DNA otherwise you can't connect so already in your genetic composition you already have the coding to connect with them that is why you are connecting the main message from the, the council you know the I call it the United Nations you know the councils of the councils of different planets and, and you know, the confederation itself, is we are here as a support structure to hold space for you, to show you potentials and possibilities. You have this array of technologies. If you tap into this, that, that. You have this array of potentials, you know, but the choice is always yours. The, the sovereignty of the humans is one of the main concern. You know, that the humans, because that's something that has been taken away from this planet through the inverted matrix, through the manipulation and control, the programs, the beliefs and all that that we've inherited. Mm. The restoration of your sovereign status as a being and the power, you know, restoring your power, you know, your freedom, your liberation, you know, and your wisdom and knowledge is the highest priority of the star nations. In fact, all realms have that priority. So there is no way they will come and tell us what to do in any form, in any form, you are guided. You know, it's you are guide you you. They show you this or that and that, and and they communicate in different ways. You know, I because I I'm a seer. You know, uh, I sometimes there's like a TV that opens up with many windows. All right, 
And if I need to see something, some of the windows will come up with, with a scenario that shows me that. That's a potential, that's a potential, that's a potential, that's a potential. I have a decision to make. Like now, I have a decision to relocate somewhere else or stay in Peru. So I got all these potentials opening up. They can assist that way, showing you. But, but it's you have that coding. That's why you are able to access it. They're not coming from somewhere, talking to you, and you don't have the coding. <laughs> you know, you are able to access it because you've got the coding, you can retrieve the information, and then you make up your mind. You are free to, to decide, and you are encouraged, in fact, to make your own decisions. They will never tell you what to do, they will never give you an answer. You know, I remember so much, I was so frustrated with this, with us developing the, the Sacred Worlds game, you know, and I really asked for help. I really, I said, you know, I'm a very imaginative person. I create, I'm a creator. I understand all that, but requesting assistance, you know, give me a variety of potentials and possibilities as much as possible. And they said to me, giving, we don't. Give, no. We... Through life's choices and through your research and through your tapping into your own potential, you will find all these creative ways of putting together the game. We will hold the space for you to do that. That's it. So it's easy to see how the message is being transferred. It's an indication whether this is a, a true source or not. You know, because it's never about telling. It's sometimes never even about guiding. It's about showing you a whole variety of things. And uh, it's not showing you like in a screen. It could be showing you through a book. So you have to pay attention. You have to be alert. It could be a book that you pick. It could be numbers in a car. It could be a music that you switch on the radio. You receive the message. It, it could be a battery of things that then you pick up the message. That that is, okay, there's all this. Now I'm going to tune in myself and decide. That's not their role. They're not here to do that. They're not here to manipulate the world. They're not here to 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 the. But yes, you know, in saying this, they are not the good guys, you know, because what I found out through my years of connections with with the, with the star nations, you know, with different groups, is that there are the bad guys also, you know. So you're not talking just, you know, it's like on Earth. You have duality, you know, and so you have the ones that want to take advantage of this earth. They have greed for resources, especially they want our water, especially they want our gold, they want our mineral resources, you know. They've been wanting that and draining this planet for that, you know. The greys did that, the, the a wing of the Alpha Centaurus, many, 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 many groups. The, 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 the Drakas did that, you know. 
we know that acknowledgement is needed too, that not all star beings are within the pure, pure heart, you know. So you have to discern who also who you're talking to, but then those would give you instructions. You see, that's also a very, the way they communicate to you is very different, you know, or they cause a cat, you know, a catastrophe to happen, and that goes with, now you have no solution, you can only follow that way, you know. So, which is definitely not anything that the Pleiadians would do, or the Venusians, or the Andromedans would do. I think that's a really important point, this idea of, of not, not deciding for someone the future in the way. Because, as you said, in a way that takes away that, that freedom, that free will. Yeah. Um, that's a really common archetype that I think you hear about in a lot of spiritual traditions, this idea of freedom, this idea of liberty. Um, and yet also, it seems like in, in the world we're living in today, sometimes that's almost spoken of as like a, a dirty term. Mm. Um, do you think that's that's the highest potential of people or this energy that, that, that on earth we are embodying or trying to search is this, this sense of free will, this sense of freedom that, that that's ultimately on an individual level and a collective level we're moving towards or, or, or is there something beyond that as well that, that you feel? Because also if there are these, as you say, these different star nations that, that embody these collective energies uh, that are trying in general to, to help us, to, to aid us, uh, what would you say is for, for humanity or, or for this realm, for this earth, what is the energy that's trying to be evolved towards? If there is all this aid that's that's trying to, to lift, to support, to move us in a direction, what do you think that's trying to move us towards? I think it's trying to, you know, you know, looking 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 ahead in the in the present window because everything's happening in this moment in time. You know, this, uh, we are definitely moving in a positive direction, you know. And uh, this, this, if this world, uh, the world of, of competition, of, uh, of control, of manipulation, it's, it's breaking down, you know. And we've got great assistance uh, from from our star brothers and sisters, but f especially from ourselves that have evolved to that state of consciousness, you know, to a lot of the the groups that are in that state of consciousness that are working from that frequency, assisting others to get there, you know. And there are now millions. We were very, we were a small minority. But we're looking at maybe seven and a half million now, which is quite a, and I, the potentials for 12 million is very soon, you know, a lot of souls have evolved and accelerated in such a way that they are, uh, they are in service 
to that transformation that we are seeing in our world. And that the star the 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 star beings that were open that were working in opposition to that have uh, uh, have been so to speak uh, not permitted to interfere any longer, which is something that has happened in the last three four years. You know, mostly last year was the last straw. You know, so there is a membrane of non-interference in our planet, you know, from any, you know, potential threat from those groups that we, they call it the nefarious groups, you know, that were um, interfering or could interfere on a daily basis, you know. So there are, there's very little occurring as far as that is concerned. There's still something occurring, you know, but to the extent that the, the positive vibration and the high frequency beings that we already have here in this planet and the ones that are coming in, you know, through walk-ins, you know, so walking into a body that is dying and you've got another soul walking in just to come and be on service for, to this planet, uh, new children that are arriving, you know, we have, uh, it's looking very positive you know, for us all, you know, to, um, and also we are in the brink of shifting consciousness, a quantum leading consciousness, where remembrance can happen. You know, you start remembering what skills you've had before that are beneficial for what you have to do here. You know, not all your skills, but those that are skills. The people will start, and, uh, you know, this month, uh, and last month, it was quantum leaps, quantum leaps in remembrance, you know, that this there's been an activation of the collective remembrance, you know, of this, uh, in this planet that can be um, collected by human beings, that, that can surface in human beings as a spontaneous, spontaneous, it's like you are in spontaneous remission of remembrance. You know, and it's it's we have periods. This is one period of time. There will be another period. You know, by August, the same thing that will happen. So it's like injections of infusions, and the you know, people that are expanding and awakening. You know, if I look back, because I started this walk, you know, when I was to, in two thousand and two. You know, and compare is like day and night. You know, every single day, people are surprising. You know, they are expanding. They are, they have insights. They, there is acceptance. There is surrender. They, you know, there's a a collapse of judgment in many, many, many fields. You know, um, even in the scientific fields that was so construct. Uh, so there, there is a big wave coming in, you know. It's very positive. That's that's my my take, and um, and it's everyone that that has done the work and is doing the work is joining that wave, because let let let's call them pioneers. 
if they are pioneers, we don't have to label them, but this group of higher frequency consciousness that are beings that are physical in this body with the assistance from the star brothers and sisters and elementals and nature spirits that were ignored, you know. So now you're connecting across worlds that you're not connecting, connecting before. Just that whole world that's opening of the elementals, of the fairies, of the of the nature spirits, of working in conjunction with the three spirits. Just that world that is now being tapped, it was ignored for a long time. Once we were all connected to that, but now that is also being reconnected. And big time, I find that the elemental energy in this planet is opened. So that the invisible worlds are visible, you know, and that's taking place uh, as we speak. It's taking place. And that's going to make a big difference. Because you, you you don't have to receive anything from the star nations you or the star beings. You can receive from the nature spirits that are right here, from the tree spirit, from the flower being, you know, from the ancient stones. I mean, you go to sites, the stones speak, and they give you messages. But we've been separate from that. But now those walls are becoming visible. And that's, I think, that's the big encouraging leap, is that that whole world is becoming open to us. Well, Yuka, just as we say that, the, the sun is uh, yeah, shining in. it's shining in. <laughs> yeah. This was amazing. I, you know, I, I really didn't know uh, so much what to expect. We, we only talk for, for a little while, but I, uh, mm -hmm. I sense something really beautiful in you and, and uh, just a really Thank you. Deep... It was a, ple a pleasure to share. It's also important to share, you know, and sometimes there is resistance in that, you know, um, you know, I've always looked at myself with that uh, because I've had resistance to openly share, you know. But then, uh, I, you know, I got the message also through that embodiment that it's so important to share your journey because your journey is not singular, you know. It's the journey of so many people, so many. And so we can only live at leverage to it, you know, and uh, if we shared each one of our journeys, uh, we get so much guidance from from it, and also interchange energies. And so I think it's very important, and I'm glad that I've taken the time to to and and to agree to to share, you know. Yeah, and thank you very much. Thank you so much for inviting me yeah if if people are interested to to, to learn more about you or to work with you or, or the, the projects you're working on is there a, they, a way they can, can do that? contact me through um, uh, wise wise woman plural or the easiest is to contact me through my website yukiasandara.com or sacredworlds.com so those are the two sites you can contact me and, you know, the emails are there and, you know, I'm 
until probably July, you know, I'm really focusing on the launch of this, of these new products. Um, but I'm always available to share with people. And do you do one-on-one -on -one work or do you do yes, workshops I do. or? I do one-on-one -on -one work on, on an exceptional basis at the moment. Uh, so I'm not advertising, but if someone r writes to me, I, I've, I, I like to do one-on-one -on -one work. You know, I feel that the planet needs it, you know. And uh, even though I'm on this project, I've always run sessions, you know. Yeah. I haven't gone to advertise about it because I didn't want the volumes of sessions. But I do. Um, it's something that I offer is one-on-one -on -one work. You know, at the moment, I'm not doing group work. Well, wonderful. I, I, I feel like I could talk to you. I mean, we're, we're over three hours. Yeah. And I feel like we could easily do another three. So maybe you have to divide this yeah. into segments. <laughs> I, I think it'll be it'll be one segment. It's it's good. Yeah, I, I find people actually enjoy long form formats. It, it gives people an opportunity to, to really learn something and to well, it to was my pleasure. Yeah. And uh, of course, I'm willing to to connect with those that are interested in yeah. yeah and that are you know on the same path or, or beginning a path sometimes it's the beginning that's more challenging yeah, yeah. anyway thank you so much thank you so much Yukia. thank you <laughs> all right everyone that's it i hope you enjoyed that show uh, it was a very fascinating conversation for me uh, we went almost three hours which uh, for me is always a really good sign um, that there's uh, a lot to be communicated a lot of depth uh, a lot of different topics to go into so thank you for Yukia uh, for for sharing uh, in her story her knowledge and I, I really hope you um, all got a lot out of that um, as always if you are able to support this podcast that's a really big help it really allows me to continue bringing on these guests uh, Patreon is a really good option. It's a subscription service uh, for as little as a dollar a month. You can sign up. There's different tiers you can sign up for. Those tiers give you different things back, things like early access to shows, bonus material, Q&As. Uh, as always, to all the patrons, to all the people who have done that, thank you very much for all of your support. I very much appreciate it. And if you are able to do that, thank you in advance. Uh, there's also the ability to donate via PayPal. I'll put a link to both of those in the show notes. And if you're not able to do that, um, if you're watching this, the video versions, albeit on YouTube or Odyssey, Rumble, um, if you can subscribe to the show with YouTube, turn on the notification bell, like the videos, leave any questions or comments in the comments section. All of those things really help with the algorithms. And then if you're listening to this, uh, the, the podcast version um, whatever platform it's on, but the, the biggest ones are Apple podcasts and Spotify and, um, leaving a starred rating, a short review, all of those things really help with the mysterious algorithms. Uh, so I hope this finds everyone well. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you as always for tuning in for the support. Um, I have a, a woman coming up named Melanie Reinhardt. Uh, she's an astrologer. Uh, she wrote a really fascinating book about Chiron. That should be a really fascinating conversation. Um, uh, probably last year I was interviewed on a, a pretty big 
podcast called Psychedelics Today. Uh, so the guy who interviewed me, I'm going to have him on this podcast. His name is Joe Moore. So that should be an interesting conversation. Um, a guy from Blue Morpho, which is a big ayahuasca healing center in the Peruvian Amazon. Um, Hamilton Souther is coming on. He's a, a very fascinating guy. Um, and yeah, that's all I can think of right now. Um, but yeah, as always, uh, I hope to continue to bring on really interesting people, really interesting guests who can help to share in their knowledge, their wisdom. Um, and I think that is it. So again, thank you all for tuning in. As always, I appreciate the support. I hope this finds you all well, wherever you, in the world you all are. And um, I will see you all on the next episode. Mm -hmm.